مخرج الصبر من الألم فملقي التوبة على الندم فنشكره على المصائب كما نشكره على النعم ونصلي على رسوله الأكرم ذي الشرف الأشم والنور الأتم والكتاب المحكم وكمال النبيين والخاتم سيدي ولدي آدم الذي بشر به عيسى بن مريم ودعا لبعثته إبراهيم عليه السلام حين كان يرفع قواعد بيت الله المحرم فصلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى أتباعه خير الأمم الذين بارك الله بهم كافة الناس العرب منهم والعجب فالحمد لله الذي لم يتخذ ولدا ولم يكن له شريك في الملك ولم يكن له ولي من الذل وكبره تكبيرا والحمد لله الذي أنزل على عبده الكتاب ولم يجعل له عوجا والحمد لله الذي نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبد الله ورسوله أرسله الله تعالى بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهره على الدين كله وكفى بالله شهيدا فصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وإن كل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ولقد آتينا إبراهيم رشده من قبل وكنا به عالمين إذ قال لأبيه وقومه ما هذه التماثيل التي أنتم لها عاكفون رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي واللهم ثبتنا عند الموت بلا إله إلا الله اللهم اجعلنا من الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر آمين يا رب العالمين Many scholars hold the view that the Quraysh of Mecca though they worshipped idols they were also aware that the Kaaba was built by their father Ibrahim and it is in fact because they knew that that they continue to carry on the ritual of sacrificing the animal and many of the traditions that Ibrahim himself has established. Though they introduced shirk and idols and pagan rituals and mixed it all in with what the original teachings were, at the core of it, somewhere back there, they knew all of this goes back to Ibrahim and some remnants of his story and the miracle and the inauguration of that city and the founding of the water. All of that is something they were vaguely aware of. And it's interesting that it's argued that they were also aware of the fact that Ibrahim broke the idols, the false gods that were there. They knew this already, which is pretty ironic because on the one hand, they claim to be the proud descendants of Ibrahim and Ismail. And on the other hand, they were worshipping idols themselves. And before I share with you the ayat that I want to talk about, maybe not just today, but over the course of the next few Jumu'ah khutbahs, uh, that belong to Surah Al-Anbiya, they are going to be about Ibrahim salam, but from a very particular point of view. And in order to help you understand that, um, it's important to understand a concept in, uh, I mean, we call it Balagha in Arabic studies, but it's really communication psychology in, in many ways. So it's a, it's a pretty basic thing to understand. So I want to give you a scenario to help you understand it that doesn't have to do with Ibrahim salam. So imagine, for instance, that you have a son uh, somebody's son who is dropping out of school, who's not, you know, you know, not taking life seriously, wakes up whenever he wants to, spends his entire day playing video games or whatever, no sense of responsibility, no sense of urgency, no sense of 
you know, anything that, you know, how a man should become upright when he comes of age and start taking charge and responsibility and become independent, none of those qualities are in this person. And their father happened to be a great leader. Their father happened to be a great role model. Their father happened to be the, ex the exemplary kind of man that other men should look up to and say, I want to be like that, right? So now the son is a major disappointment and the father was amazing, right? And so... When the, so somebody comes to the son, who's such a disappointment, and instead of telling them, you know, you're such a... And he's really proud of his father, too. My dad is one of the greatest leaders this village ever had. You know what my dad did? You know what my dad accomplished? So he's super proud of his father. He refers to him all the time. He takes the same last name. So it's a matter of kind of a status thing for him. Like one of the things he can wear as a badge with pride. Because, you know, what, what makes you worth something in society? or in the eyes of people. It could either be your accomplishments, or it could be some other things, right? So in his case, it could be the name that he's carrying. from his, He's borrowing the name and the legacy from the father, and he's thinking that that's enough for him. So he doesn't have to do much work, right? He's already got that behind his back. He's got the noble lineage, or he's got that her heritage, that legacy. Oh, that's your dad? Wow! It's kind of like that, right? So, but someone who sees through that, and sees that he's failing miserably in life, comes to him and says, you know, the fact of the matter is, your dad was an amazing man. He truly was. That's all they say. They put their hand on this, guy's this young man's shoulder and say, the fact of the matter is, your father was truly an amazing man. You realize that, right? The, the, they didn't say anything more. But you know what? They said a lot by saying that. <laughs> because what they said without saying it, is that it seems that you don't realize that your father was a great man, even though he does, he talks about it all the time. But this person who's saying it to them is saying, yeah, you say you realize it, but if you actually realized it, this wouldn't be you. So your tongue realizes it, you boast that you realize it, but in your heart you haven't actually internalized that that's the legacy you're supposed to carry forward. So you haven't really realized it. So, you know, when you, you talk to him, uh, nobody knows about his father's accomplishments better than the son himself. And here you are telling the son with so much emphasis, you know what? The fact of the matter is, your dad truly was a great man. Fact of the matter, truly, I added those words into the sentence to emphasize this point more. If someone already knows something, you don't have to emphasize it. Because, excuse me, that's my dad, I already know. Right? But why is, why is it being emphasized? Because you know, but at one level, you don't know at all. Your heart hasn't realized it at all. So sometimes a statement is emphasized or stressed to someone who already knows the fact of it because they haven't realized the fact of it. Knowing something and realizing something, letting it impact you are two different things. They're two very different things, you know. So, you know, another example of knowing something and not realizing it is like, you know, you're, you're, you've got an exam, you're in college, your parents paid your college tuition or whatever, and you've got an exam coming up in like two days and you're not studying at all. And somebody comes and says, your friend comes and says, man, your parents pay your tuition. You know that, right? Your parents pay your tuition. They didn't say go study. They said what? Your parents pay your tuition. Now he already knows that. But you know, do you realize your parents? Yes, of course I realize it. Oh, okay, you're not just informing me that my parents pay my tuition. You're, in a sense, putting me to shame that I am, def they're putting, they're sweating, you know, breaking their backs, trying to cover, you know, the cost of my education, and here I am goofing off watching TV 
or goofing off playing games on my phone, right? So it's wrong of you to take advantage of your parents like that. It's an injustice that you're doing to them. But none of that had to be said. It was said just by the emphasis on something that is known. So when we study Quran sometimes, if we're aware of the audience, and the audience in this case is Quraysh, Surah Al-Anbiya is a Makki Surah. And if you accept the argument that they were actually pretty familiar with the legacy of Ibrahim salam, And then you read this ayah, وَلَقَدْ آتَيْنَا إِبْرَاهِيمَ رُشْدَهُ مِنْ قَبْلُ We had given Ibrahim salam his uprightness, we had granted it to him from a long time ago. We had granted him his ability to give counsel and to receive counsel a long time ago. And it, it's stressed, وَلَقَدْ is two degrees of emphasis, the lam is actually considered Lam al-Qasim too, as if Allah is saying, we swear by the fact that we absolutely gave Abraham, Ibrahim salam, his uprightness, his guidance. And he's saying, Allah is saying this to the Quraysh who already know that. As if, the same way like I told you about that disappointing son, you can take his name, but you don't take on any of the weight that comes with taking his name. You take his name and you celebrate the house that he built, but you've abandoned everything that that stood for. Look at what you're doing and look at what he did. Where are you and where was he? And then Allah says, and you know when someone tells you about your own history, what do you say? I know, okay? I know. I know that better than you, that's my family. And we know that better than anybody. And the Muslim today, let's not talk about the Quraysh, because this khutbah is not about the Quraysh. The khutbah is about me and you. So somebody's telling us about Ibrahim salam. maybe a Christian comes and tells you about Ibrahim Excuse me. We know Ibrahim salam. Y'all got nothing on us when it comes to Ibrahim Let me tell you about Ibrahim right? But that's in terms of knowledge, that's in terms of what Allah has taught us. But imagine yet at another level, if this conversation is being echoed and it's timeless, its only audience is in Quraysh, and Allah is now stressing those words on me, and stressing those words on you. And then He says at the end, instead of us saying, yeah, we know already, thanks. What does Allah say? وَكُنَّا بِهِ alimin. And when it comes to him, we, were, we are in fact the ones that know. We're the ones that know. And this stress on kudna bihi alimin, as if what, what there is to know about Ibrahim salam is not something you can own. It's coming from me. As if to put you in your place and say, you don't know anything. You don't know anything. You, you, you're very quick to make the claim. Oh, they got, they got it wrong about Ibrahim Islam. The Jews got it wrong about Ibrahim Islam. The Christians got it wrong about Ibrahim Islam. We got it right. And it, it's as if the ayah also speaks to us. And says, did you? Did you? I mean, you have the information. But has it hit you? What that means? That you are from the legacy of Ibrahim Islam? You know, like the example I told you about that son? Okay, yeah, you know that's your dad. But has that hit you yet? Have you, have you realized what that means? And so... When we study the legacy of Ibrahim salam, we have to keep this emphatic introduction in mind that Allah is actually waking us up. Wait, this is your father. This is, who you, this is your legacy. This is what he left behind for you. I'm not just telling you this history so you can boast claim on Ibrahim salam. The title of my khutbah today is misleading. The claim to Ibrahim salam. Somebody could read that title and say, Oh yeah, because they claim Ibrahim salam. And Allah says about the claim, Inna Ibrahim. The people that have the first claim on Ibrahim salam, are the ones who followed him. It's interesting, right? He didn't say the first claimants to Ibrahim salam are the believers in the Quran. He didn't say that. He said, He said, those who followed him, because that 
statement becomes so much broader because those who followed him were in the time of Ibrahim salam and were in the time of the prophets that came after them and they were among the sincere in the early followers of Christianity they were also the followers of Ibrahim salam it was about how you lived it's not about what sticker you wore or which prophet's time you were born in that's not what makes you a follower of Ibrahim salam and then he adds then he says and this prophet and those who claim to believe so that, that ayah is remarkable about our claim on Ibrahim So with that in mind, I just wanted to share with you just the first you know, part, the first part of this claim. How does Allah want us to think about ourselves in reflection to the, 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 the impression of our father Ibrahim I want you to visualize it like this, because I know a lot of young people because of school and COVID and all that stuff, a lot more of you are, you know, younger kids are, are, are listening to the khutbah. So I want you to visualize it like this. Imagine every time you see in the mirror, look in the mirror, right? You can see kind of a, a faint reflection of something else also. You know how sometimes glass has a glare and you can see two reflections at the same time? You can see a faint reflection of two. There's a faint reflection of Ibrahim always there superimposed on you. You're not, you're, you're not you're carrying your own personality, your own religion, your own life, your own future, your own past, your past, your present, your future, whatever you have is actually, and, and especially as a believer, it is, it is supposed to be connected to the impressions left by your father and my father Ibrahim It's really powerful that we, we no longer see ourselves outside of the family and the legacy of Ibrahim Millata abikum Ibrahim. There's so many layers in that ayah, because he didn't just say, for, for example, there are other alternatives, forget about the alternatives. Sammakum, he named you. He's the one, in fact, that named you. When, who names someone? The father names the children, right? And in other words, the father, the parent, makes the most you know, powerful impression on the identity of a child. And even if somebody could say, no, but my mom named me. Yeah, but the last name, literally, the father named you. Your family heritage, your father, you didn't take your mom's last name. You took your dad's last name. So in a, in a sense, it's, all, it's always the father that names. And so the spiritual name, and why? Because that name carries for generations, right? So when you become a father one day, you'll carry that name down. And then when your child becomes a father one day, they'll carry that name down. That's how names are carried down. And in the spiritual fatherhood, Ibrahim salam is attributed one interpretation of the ayah, he's the one who named you Muslims. So it's interesting, fatherhood was mentioned and then naming was mentioned, right? Because they're connected ideas to each other. And that's passed down. That surrender to Allah is passed down. So now, with that in mind, we turn to young Ibrahim This is, I mean, we, we're talking about Ibrahim and our claim to him. We learn about him as an old man in the Qur'an. We learn about him as a father in the Qur'an. We learn about him as a traveler in the Qur'an. We learn about him as someone who is being challenged by an authority in the Qur'an. But now in this passage, in Surah Al-Anbiya, we're going to learn about a young Ibrahim. Okay? And that young Ibrahim salam, is, is abihi wa qawmihi, when he said to his father and his nation, What are these, these representations? This is the word in the, used in the Qur'an for idols. Right? It's interesting that he undercut the argument. I'll get to that in a second. Because usually you say, مَا هَذِهِ الْأَصْنَامِ What are these idols? The Arabic word for idols is الْأَصْنَامِ But he didn't say الْأَصْنَامِ, he used the plural of tamthil. And tamthil is a representation. Because if you say, what is this idol? 
the idol worshiper will say, no, this, it's not the stone or the wood. It represents this goddess. Or it represents that god. Right? The, the Norse mythological believers will say, oh, this statue is representative of... This is not Odin, but it's a representative of Odin. That's not Thor. It's a representative of Thor. That's not Jesus. It just reminds me of Jesus. It's a representation of you. That's not Mary, but it's a representation of Mary. So they use the concept of representation to justify that it's not idol worship. Right? So representation is used as a kind of rationale. That it's okay, it's not really idol worship. And Ibrahim knows young enough to know that when I say idols, they'll respond by saying they're just what? Representations. So he says, what are these representations? <laughs> so he doesn't even go to the surface question. He goes to the answer they were going to give and thought about that ahead of time, and put that in his question. And he said, what are these representations? The ones that you sit in such devotion in front of. That it is, you give so much time, dedication, and devotion to these idols, these representations that you, that you stand before. So it's interesting that he didn't, he's been raised in that society, so he knows what each idol represents, what, what myth is behind them, what story is behind them. Right? What demons they conquered, what worlds they conquered, who they killed, and how they came to the throne. All that stuff, all that mythology, he's aware of her. He was raised there. So he says, he doesn't say, what are these idols? Like, he doesn't know, he already knows. Yeah, but I want to know more, more about these uh, myths that you are, uh, you're so dedicated to. What are they? What, what's their origin? What's their basis? I mean, really, what are they? And he asked this question, it's interesting, he didn't just ask this question when he went to the temple and he saw a bunch of people praying like that and he said to all of them, what are these idols? Or what are these representations? Allah says, if qala li abihi wa qawmihi. He said to his father and his nation. It's really interesting that both were mentioned. Obviously, if Allah said he said to his nation, the father would have been included. Right? And if he said the father, then the nation would not necessarily have been included. It would have been a conversation between father and son. But this is, this is important because Allah is describing that as a young man, he saw a problem and he sought to discuss the problem with his own family. And by the way, having challenging somebody outside is way easier. Like today, being very brave online behind a screen name is very easy. You can use all caps, you can yell and scream, you can you know, put a fist emoji and post it. But it's not as easy to stand in front of somebody's face, face to face, and then challenge them. And say, you're wrong. People are very different. People are even different, forget, on behind the screen name, people are different when a text, in a text message than they are in person. People, people can be very much, much less brave in person than they are on a phone call. Just being like a few hundred miles or a thousand miles away makes them more brave. But when you're in front of someone, uh, different story. Ibrahim salam goes to his father, who, from what we know, is you know, the, the, the carver of the idols. And whether he's the uncle or the father is not relevant right now. But he goes to him. And Li Abihi also kind of illustrates that he had respect for his father. And he didn't say all of this is wrong. What you're doing is wrong. It has no basis. He asked a question. He asked a question. Now it's interesting, he must have had the answer to this question given to him through whatever variation of religious indoctrination, whether they had their Sunday school or their, you know, their shirk pro weekend program, whatever they had, he must have gone through it. So he's been given those answers a hundred times. 
It's not like he doesn't have those answers. But by asking that question, he's simply suggesting something. All of the answers that you've come up with all up, up until now, they kind of don't really give you any real answer. I want to know what the basis of all this is. That's all I want to know. I'm not being disrespectful. I'm not trying to put you down. I'm not trying to argue with you. I just want to know, you have dedicated so much to these idols and you've created such a story of these representations. But in the end, what are they other than stories? Like, what are they? And their answer could be, they could go literally with the answer, these are wood, uh, some stone, a little bit of marble. There's glue on the side. They could go that route. They could say, this is the story, uh, you know, this is how the universe, and here's the evidence we know, this is how the universe was formed and these are the gods that made it and all. They could, you know, but many of you guys, you, you're, you're watching like DC and Marvel and whatever, anime or whatever. There's an entire mythology. This god came, then that demon came, then that this came. There's an entire, you know, an immersive imaginary world of multiple gods and resurrections and universes, etc., etc. And it can be so elaborate and you can be so immersed in it. You can be so knowledgeable about all this fiction at the end of the day, all that fiction, which is made up from the product of a creative mind, doesn't change reality in any way. It doesn't. But you can, you can get so immersed in it that that becomes a reality in and of itself, right? So when he, when he challenges his father like that, and his nation, it seems the father had no different an answer from the nation. So the, the response of the father and the nation has been merged together in the ayah. قَالُوا وَجَدْنَا آبَاءَنَا لَهَا عَابِدِينَ They felt cornered by that question and they gave an answer which is let be, let be, let's be politically incorrect the answer is the best version of shut up that, that's what the answer is the answer is we found our fathers worshipping these لَهَا عَابِدِينَ our fathers now, why, why is father important? Because the most important part of your identity in ancient society was your father. That's who you are as a person. Who's your father? I am so-and-so, son of so-and-so. King so-and-so, son of so-and-so. We don't have nowadays president this one, son of that one. We don't do that. But the kings and the village leaders and young men, when they introduce themselves, when families introduce themselves, oh, you are this one, son of that one. Right? That's, that's a fundamental part of your identity. You identify with those people. And so when they did something, then this is what we're going to do because tribe comes first. That's, you know, today you can take nationalism, you can take, you know, some form of patriotism, you can take these other isms. But all of them combined weren't even close to the kind of strength that came from tribalism. Tribalism is much powerful, much more powerful force because it's the power of co the collective, the society, and it's got the power of blood behind it too, the bloodline, which is physically your, your, your makeup, right? Blood comes first. And so they said, w w in their answer, they were not just answering the question. First of all, they didn't answer the question because they said nothing about those tamathil. They did, they did not address the question at all. What, is that, what does that mean? That means whatever we had to say about it is all there is to say. We don't know anymore either. And if you make us answer and make us actually say, we don't know, 
that is going to make us look weak. And when a person is put in a position where the true answer is going to expose their weakness, then the best thing they can do is go on the attack and divert the conversation. Because answering the question for what it was would expose their weakness, would expose that they have no basis, would expose that this is, really is made up. So what's the strongest argument they can come up with? The strongest argument they can come up with is, this is how you show loyalty to your tribe. You better watch it. You know, even in ancient times when kings did not believe in the religion of the society, they would, they would never question it publicly. You know that, right? It's political suicide. You can't. Publicly, don't bring this up. Privately, I don't know what this is, but don't tell anybody I had this question. Privately, they can do it. Publicly, they can't. Look at Ibrahim salam. He had a private conversation, right? Which is safe. Dad can say, shut up, don't bring this up. I don't know either. He can have those conversations. But he didn't just stop there. He said he had that conversation where also? Publicly. And when you have it publicly, now it puts the dad in a bad position. The maker of our idols, his son is questioning all this? You're making me look bad, son. Everybody's looking at us like we don't really belong. Where are their loyalties? How defiant. How, what a terrible job he did raising his son. So he's creating a socially awkward situation for himself and his father by asking questions. By asking questions. What are we learning just from this much? Khutbah time is over. So just from what we, the, the, this dialogue that we've shared thus far, what are we learning about Ibrahim salam's legacy that we've forgotten? The, the, the strength, the courage to question something that doesn't make sense. And we get scared because if we question it, there are people, maybe it's family, maybe it's society, maybe it's your social circle. It's some of these, if it's not tribalism, it's some other ism some other larger force, some larger collective of people whose comments, whose criticism you're afraid of so you won't say anything. And if you do say something, it'll be in private. You'll never openly say this makes no sense. You're too scared to say it makes no sense. The first lesson of the legacy of Ibrahim is you are unafraid to speak the truth. Unafraid to question when something doesn't make sense. Unafraid to, to challenge. Respectfully. He still didn't say anything disrespectful. And by the way, when he posed that question, it's also important. We don't just pose questions. We first understand thoroughly what it is that we're questioning. Did he understand the religion that was in place? Yes. Did he understand that those idols are even representations of other gods? Yes, he understood it. So before you question something, you should know what you're questioning to begin with. Right? So Ibrahim Alayhisselam's legacy is also about thoroughly understanding the problem before you present and are brave enough to, you know, to, to mount your challenge or to ask a question and not be intimidated by who you're asking the question from. <laughs> With that, inshallah, I'll conclude today's khutbah and we'll carry out this conversation about the passage from Surah Al-Anbiya for those of you that are interested and would like to read up on this on your own. Uh, this is ayah number 51 of Surah Al-Anbiya. Surah Al-Anbiya is Surah number 21. بارك الله لي ولكم في القرآن الحكيم ونفعني وإياكم بالآيات والذكر الحكيم <تصفيق> الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى خصوصا على أفضلهم وخاتم النبيين محمد الأمين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد 
اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد عباد الله رحمكم الله اتقوا الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر ولا ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقم الصلاة إن الصلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتابا موقوتا